My name is Joe Witte. I'm an entrepreneur, veteran, father, and proud team member at Tag One. Thank you for joining our podcast, Getting Transparent, where we get to hear the stories with people who are making a difference in our food and natural product supply chain, find out what drives them, and how they're making this world just a little bit better. This is Getting Transparent, brought to you by Tag One. All right, welcome everybody. Just quick recap, last episode, we had James Rice, CEO of Paradise Foods on, who had an amazing story about a lot of his innovations and commitments to growing food in Papua New Guinea and hiring lots of people in Papua New Guinea. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to James's discussion last time, certainly check it out on Getting Transparent. This week, I'm really excited to have Ulrika Hodges with me from Safe Traces. Ulrika is the COO. Um, she's got a PhD in political science. I'm going to let her tell tell you guys what uh, Safe Traces does in just a moment. But she's been doing innovation in early stage and mid uh, mid-sized software companies for quite some time. Um, a lot of them are private equity backed, um, helping them through growth phases and uh, through acquisition. So, uh, Ulrika, welcome. Good to have you. Thanks so much for having me on, Joe. About background, about myself and, and the company to start with. It, um, it's it been sort of a long journey to end up with Safe Traces. Previously, I was in a private equity environment working on software and product management. And one day I realized it's time to do something more meaningful. Um, and I went looking for something that, that adds a little bit more than just an app to the universe. And with Safe Traces, we have tried to do that from day one. We've been on a mission to make food safer for people, air safer, and medications safer. So we have been driving innovation in all of these areas, using our technology to make the world just a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about the technology. I know it gets into DNA fingerprinting, some really unique stuff. What does that mean and how does it work? DNA is a super versatile material. For starters, it is always safe. Um, all of our solutions uh, are FDA grass-based solutions, so that means they're safe for human consumption. And that really makes it versatile to apply to air testing as well as food traceability. The way it works is that we use DNA to mimic the behavior of certain uh, certain particles that can adhere to food, that can mimic the behavior of, of pathogens in the air. In the case of food traceability, we found that um, DNA can really be applied to food pretty much anywhere in a food processing supply chain to really carry the same information that a 2D barcode or a other type of packaging identifier would carry, except that this identifier can actually get lost. Mm -hmm. So you imagine unpacking a box of apples or unpacking a a carton of of, uh, medication. By the time this gets repackaged, put on the shelf, lots of the 2D type of information, um, even though it is very detailed and advanced, can be lost either accidentally or on purpose, at which point the product is very exposed to fraud, be it intentional or unintentional. Are there certain types of foods that you guys have found have a greater need for what you're doing or embracing it um, or, or areas that you guys see as higher risk that that are a good application for safe traces? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Um, we went through a lot of cycles of learning on this. Mm-hmm. Where we landed in the end is that 
industries that have high value and high risk of fraud and need to prove to the consumer that they are actually selling what they say in the box, what the label promises. Those industries are more uh, interested and also on the hook by the consumer to really be able to prove what they're selling is what they say they're selling. So at the end of the day, we mostly work with forward-looking companies that have made a commitment that their products are sustainably sourced and safe. For example, the palm oil industry is yep. a great example yep. where um, there is what we call the first mile, mile problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there is potential and there is actually a great weakness in the supply chain between harvest and the delivery at mill. And we have developed a solution that can be easily applied in the field, be tested at the mill, and then hook into the back-end existing traceability solutions that are already in in flight. And so we basically provide the link to the product and close that that missing gap or that that missing link. Really interesting. So anytime you have any new technology that's introduced to this world, there's always hesitation or reluctance for to embrace it. What are some of the um, objections you guys run into or misconceptions or challenges? Maybe it's an integration challenge you guys run into with companies you're talking to who should be using safe traces. Yes. So we have uh, learned that companies that are really just surviving, trying to meet regulatory requirements are not the ones looking for new technology. They are overworked um, with meeting regulatory requirements. And we know very well that with a new uh, Food Safety Act, there are a lot of new um, requirements put on the companies. Many of those companies are struggling to meet those requirements. Mm -hmm. So they're not looking and not able to add another layer what they consider of complexity. So for us, it it is a conversation where we show them how easy it is to apply and to really show them how it links all the investment that they're doing already directly to the product. Um, Other industries that are not great targets are the ones with low margin and risk companies. Quite frankly, um, we have talked to some sectors where plausible deniability seems to be the best defense. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to trace a product and be able to prove it is mine during a recall if I could just wait until somebody finds me and then act. So there is there's definitely a little bit of tension, as is, as is usually the case when you have these conversations, trying to explain where the value is in new technology. It, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we've always found with Tag1 using, you know, blockchain technology that starting with companies that embrace the culture and values is the best place to start. And, and oftentimes I think yeah. somebody shared yeah. the companies that sometimes want it, don't always need it. And the companies need it, don't always want it. But um, if it's already built in, so to your point, when you talk to companies, they're like, ah, it might hold us accountable. People might find out we're doing things wrong. And it's like, well, <laughs> eventually yeah. you want to do things right. Um, and, and that hopefully, um, you know, it, it'll catch up and start to be embraced as, as a main product. Back it up a little bit, Ulrika, and talk about how did somebody come up with this idea? Who were the who were the, the the initial co-founders? What's their background, and how did they say, "Hey, I think we have an application"? And at what stage did you come on board? So 
it was originally a project um, carried out at Lawrence Livermore National Labs. They were targeted by the, the government to provide a safe tracer that could mimic the behavior of, of uh, bioterrorist tools such as anthrax. Mm -hmm. So that technology has been used in the Pentagon and in the New York subway system to trace the airflow um, of, of pathogens and to figure out in which order the, the system should be shut down. Right. Um, the, the original carve-out was done by Anthony Zagrafos and George Farquhar to take this technology and apply it to food, mm -hmm. to basically convert this tracer to a particle that can be applied to food safely and basically perform the same functions. Try the food through the supply chain and carry um, a binary uh, type of, of information. So for the food industry, we basically create what we call unique barcodes that uh, represent, represent either the presence or absence of particular DNA sequences. So that goes back to the core technology. And we have since then um, advanced it considerably further. And then with our new CEO, Eric Malmstrom, um, we have also taken it and responded to to the COVID uh, pandemic, which which gave us the opportunity to um, come to market with an adaptation of that initial core technology. No, it's a perfect transition because you talked about traveling airflow. There's been something going on in uh, over the last year <laughs> that we all know about is slightly interrupt our global just economy, right? Just a little bit. So, uh, I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine this past week about you know the decisions that government leaders have to make whether they open whether they close and i said why haven't they done studies in restaurants and other local places to say what type of airflow you need what's the proper distance have you guys gotten involved in that or provided some solutions whether it's to the governments or local businesses that can help them look at airflow and 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 how to protect themselves and their constituents a little bit what are some applications you guys are involved in as it may relate to covid yeah they have done a lot of their a lot of studies and modeling for airflow mm -hmm. you see in the studies in new york times published in new york times by mit other leading universities um everyone is modeling what they're not able to do is to have a, an effective empirical verification if these models are working. So we took that, that early core technology that I mentioned earlier and adapted it to mimic the behavior of a, a sneeze or a cough in the air. Mm -hmm. So we, we came to market with a spray that then aerosolizes and travels through closed spaces, the built environment, similar to what we'd expect a pathogen to do. So this really now enables us to release the spray, test at various locations to show customers, you know, your HVAC system is working, it is mm -hmm. working as designed, or it's not. Because if we if we work with these these companies and we show them there is there's a hotspot in a location where they thought the air should have filtered out, at that point it gets very interesting and, and becomes a very clear insight for them to go back, work on the HVAC system. We have worked now with some very large um, tech companies. Uh, a couple of them were close to making large investments in upgrades where we were able to show them the proposed upgrades were not as effective as an alternative. There was much lower cost. We're working with the state of California 
um, in various institutional environments, working, starting to work with public school districts um, in healthcare. So it is really an agnostic tool to give you an empirical verification of whether these uh, systems are working, and then also a long-term to validate and or adjust uh, the models that these systems are based on. Very so interesting. Nifty yeah. tool, yeah. Very cool. Going back to food, tell us maybe a, a story or two about some companies you're working with, um, case studies on you know, clients that have, have used your application and, and how it potentially could change the way they operate and the way certain businesses operate um, and the impact that can have on retailers and consumers. Um, a good case study is one of our early implementations, which was in in the apple processing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a very large uh, uh, customer and, and good partner of ours, Borden Fruit, um, was aware that there is fraud in apples. That, of mm-hmm. course, they didn't know that. Um, that there's fraud in apples, that there are recall, and they are always on the lookout for new technology, so they're an ideal partner to work with. They're also aware that um, their product was you know, potentially faked in China. Hmm. At the time, Washington State had upward of 10 inspectors in China on the ground inspecting uh, what was labeled Washington State apples. Mm-hmm. Washington State has invested heavily in the marketing of its brand across products. So they have a lot of at stake, and particularly when they sell to uh, foreign countries, it gets very hard to verify whether your product is really authentic. So they were ready to do whatever it takes to help prevent that, as well as to act if they should be involved in a recall or alternatively to say, no, we're not involved in the recall and we can actually prove that it was not our product that is that is in question here. So that was a very good early use case um, that where we were able to show value added to, to the product and for the customer. So now with the FDA rolling out the new era of smarter food safety, they've got their list of um, predominantly produce, but certainly there's some meats and dairy products in there too mm-hmm. that are, are considered a little bit higher risk um, and going to have to implement certain components of tech traceability, which certainly we've, we've been involved in. And obviously this is your core competency. What's your um, kind of perspective on on that new you know, introduction of the ruling, because certainly hasn't been implemented as of yet. There's still a lot of discussion going on and how you guys should be able to help a lot of companies with your technology. Yeah, I I think the ruling came just in time, if not a bit too late, understanding Mm -hmm. that there are continued uh, food safety issues. We have spoken with a few very large uh, manufacturers, particularly in the meat and poultry um, spaces, And it is a very risk-averse industry. They are very slow to adapt to to changes. And certainly regulatory requirements will push them into that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Technically, they could do it faster and ahead of regulation, as some other uh, sectors in the food industry are doing. But in this particular case, it's a very slow-moving sector of uh, segment of the industry. Um, we do have solutions and we can partner with their um, with their you know back end systems to integrate our data 
be it via blockchain or other uh, logistic systems um, that that would solve some of their problems. But again, they are now tasked with advancing their existing technologies, make them airtighter, um, improve what they have. So looking at new technologies, again, um, will will give them faster uh, accomplishment of the requirements. But the the specific requirements call for advancing existing technologies in place. So we, again, are a new technology that really will be um, preferred by by forward-looking innovative companies. That's great. So I would think that a lot of people would wonder, say, hey, we're a liquid, let's say we're dairy or we're a grain product or we're, you know, obviously you mentioned apples can be applied there. What are some different ways that it can be applied? Is it just a spray or, and then I think, being that most of these companies are pretty um, have tight margins, is it something that's affordable for for different companies that they can use? Is that a is that a concern? Um, and is that something that you guys have to to kind of um, overcome as well? Yeah. So, a couple of good questions there. We can develop, or we have developed our particles, our tracers, in uh, liquid and in dry form. So mm-hmm. you could apply it. In, in a dry form to a grain, that would be a, you know, it would be mixed in. You can apply it as a, a liquid to an olive oil. We're just uh, doing a, another um, production scale uh, project with an Italian uh, olive oil manufacturer. Right. Yep. So we are, you know, we are making it available in different formulations. In, in any case, because we, we are born or we, we really went to market in the food industry. Across the board, the food industry is low margin. So our solution from day one was really priced to be able and to, to be affordable for that industry. We make our equipment available on a, on a lease basis. It is often just made available and then the price is built in into the uh, recurring fees. Mm-hmm. So we we have various pricing models that we can work with depending on the industry that that we're dealing with. There's always a range of of premium and bulk goods. So there's 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 a variety of of tiered pricing models. But at the end of the day, our pricing has not been been an issue for us. That's great. That's great. So this has been awesome, Ulrika. We always like to close our interviews with something I call the transparent ten. And I don't know if you've heard any of the other podcasts before. If you haven't. That's okay, because we like to get to know interesting people like you. Um, so I'm going to fire some questions at you, just a chance for the audience to get to know you. Oh. Just first things that come to your head. So first things first, aside from any family situations, what's your most proud achievement? Um, starting a preschool. That's a big one. And it probably- Many years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Which now has a long waiting list. So there, there's, there's a good accomplishment. <laughs> that's great. Something you love to do. Skiing, when I don't break my leg. Nice. Something you hate to do. Ah, that's a good one. Um, not, not getting enough sleep. Oh, I'm with you 100%. What's your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Oh, so I'm, I'm all for the palm industry getting better. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Favorite band. Favorite band? Oh God, that's gonna date me. Um, Coldplay. Fa- favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, that's a good one. Um, probably one of the James Bond ones. All right. Casino Royale. How's that? That is a good one. Favorite vacation? Favorite vacation. 
location in Italy, outside of Arezzo, in 1996, when life was a lot simpler. Mm. Something you're terrible at in business. Selling. Something you're great at in business. Doing pre-sales. Okay. <laughs> right? What is your big vision for, for uh, food traceability? To reduce recalls. Make it safer across the board. It's a very high, you know, lofty goal, but it is accomplishable. Um, it requires everybody to get over their competitive streak and, and work on it together. I agree. Ulrike, this has been awesome. I thank you for your time today and for your insights and wisdoms and sharing a little bit about your background and about safe traces and the cool things you guys are doing. Um, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. And thanks everybody for joining and stay transparent. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Getting Transparent, brought to you by Tag One. Please subscribe to receive notifications for future episodes and visit us at www.tagone.com.